You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. Well, summer officially begins in a little over a week. I don't know about you, but I, I'm ready for a little change of seasons. Uh, I, I'm ready for just maybe a little different pace. Usually we have things that are a little different in the summer as far as maybe work schedule. Some of us are able to take vacations and we're able to just have some warmer weather. Living in the northern part of the province, we have a few more colder months than the rest of the province, don't we? And we understand what it's like to have lots of snow and cold weather. And so I'm really glad when things begin to warm up a little bit, and I'm looking forward to summer. It's going to be just wonderful. You know, when you think about it, life is a little bit like that, too. We enjoy the variety of seasons within uh, our country of Canada, maybe more so than maybe other parts of North America. We understand those defined, designated seasons of winter, spring, summer, and fall, and all that they encompass. But life has a tendency to be like that too. The truth of what Solomon, great man of wisdom, given that wisdom given to him by God, what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Life is like that. There are seasons to our living. Yes, the natural seasons that we enjoy. But there's seasons of life. Seasons of careers, relationships, not just age. And all of those encompass to make us who we are. Whether you're at the beginning of a new season or maybe things are just sort of same old, same old. I've got a psalm that's on the screen for you, Psalm 34, I think this really has the foundation for what we as followers of Jesus Christ need to encounter in the variety of seasons that we go through. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord for those who fear him lack nothing. Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. We sang about it numerous times, but I want to declare it. Our God is faithful. Our God is a good God. And no matter what season you are going through, I want you to know that God is faithful to walk with you, to provide for you in that season. And you're not alone. There's times of joy when we maybe don't feel that there's a lot that can be added. But there's times of joy depth and deepness and maybe some sorrow that we may go through that man we need someone walking beside us and our God has promised that he'll never leave us nor forsake us do you notice what it says in that psalm taste and see that the Lord is good last night I went to I'm going to say my favorite place to go for fish and chips where would that be Clark's exactly I love going to Clark's. Uh, Last night, though, I was particular. I only had the one-piece fish and chips because I saw they had on special uh, pie. And I love pie. 
Now listen, is there anybody here that works at Clark's? Okay, I can tell you this. That pie was good, but it didn't measure up. Not to my wife's pie. My wife makes the ultimate best pie, hands down. You say, well, it's one thing for you to tell us that. I could even have one of her pies with me or a picture of it, and I could show it to you. But that still would not be evidence. You would have to taste it. And I believe that that's the truth of our, who our God is. Taste and see that He is good. It's not good enough just to hear about it from someone else. It's not good enough just to observe, although it, it helps us. It builds our faith when we observe it in someone else's life. But we need to personally taste and see that God is good. So that's the foundation for us as followers of Christ as we go through the variety of seasons that we go through. Taste and see that He is good. I want you to know He's faithful. He has your best in mind. And sometimes when we're going through something, it doesn't feel like the best. But God always, He sees the beginning to the end. We cannot have that perspective. Especially when we're going through something difficult. But God sees it all. And He has our best in mind. Harold and Martha lived on a farm out in the middle of nowhere. This couple, now well into their years, had farmed the same portion of land since they were married. At this point in their lives, they were well past retirement, but still farming the land because they'd never had children and had no one to pass the farm on to. As I said, their farm was located out in the middle of nowhere. If you've been to Chauvin, they say that that's out in the middle of nowhere. For Harold and Martha, their closest neighbor was 60 kilometers away. The nearest town was 100 kilometers away. One Saturday night in the spring, after a particular hard week of seeding the land and preparing it, Harold and Martha had gone to bed early and they were exhausted. Unknown to them, there was a storm that was brewing kind of on the edge of their property. And, and in fact, a tornado had touched down and it had touched their house. About midnight, that tornado ripped the roof off their house. It picked up their bed with them still in it and carried them off into the dark of night. They were scared half to death. They clung on to each other, spinning around and around in the eye of that storm. Finally, that tornado set them down, still in their bed, in their pajamas, in the middle of that town, 100 kilometers away, right in the middle of Main Street. The town folk, hearing all of the commotion, quickly gathered around them, and Martha burst out into tears. Harold did his best to comfort her. There, there, Martha, it's okay. We're safe and sound. Now, don't be upset. We're okay. Oh, Harold, I'm not I'm upset. I'm happy. Confused, he said, you're happy? What do you mean you're happy? Why are you crying? She hugged him tighter. Oh, Harold, these are tears of joy. This is the first time in six months you've brought me to town. <laughs> you know, folks, that story... It's not true. <laughs> Reminds me of how God works in our lives. Sometimes He will use an unusual means to get us from point A to point B in our lives. 
And I know sometimes when I'm in the eye of the storm, I wonder, oh God, what's happening? Why is this taking place in my life? But little did I know, but finally when I arrived at the destination and maybe had some time to settle, I realized God's purpose in what he was doing to take me from this place to this place. No, I didn't always enjoy the journey, but I was glad when I arrived at the destination. And I saw God's purpose and plan beyond what I could ever imagine or think, or beyond the resources that I had that would ever taken me from that place to that place. In Revelation 3, Jesus writes to the church of Philadelphia. He addresses this letter, and you know if you've read those chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation, there's seven letters to the churches, and to this church, he addresses this letter from the one who has the key of David. He opens doors and no one can shut them. He shuts doors and no one can open them. Verse 8 says this, and the Lord is the one speaking and addressing this letter. And Jesus says, I have set before you an open door that no one can shut. Friends, that's a good reminder for us this morning that God sets open doors before us. And if we are willing, we can step through that door and move into the realm, the place that God has designed for us to be. Verse 8 does say, no one can shut God's open doors. Friends, do you know that I've discovered, and you have too as a follower of Christ, that there is one person who can either shut God's open doors or who can open his shut doors. That's me. There have been times that I have refused to enter into a new season, a new place that God had designed for me. Maybe I was afraid of what that new place would require of me. Maybe I really didn't want to have to give up the comfortable place where I was. I don't like change. And oftentimes those new seasons usually involve change in my life. For most of us, it's easier just to stay in the same place we've always been. Uh, We're comfortable. Change is not comfortable. Even when we know that change is planned, it's not guaranteed to be a comfortable place and a comfortable journey. Even when we know that God is calling us to make changes, and in other words, we know it's His will for us to change, it can still be painful for most of us Most of the time, we'd rather just stay put than have to change. Several years ago, I came across this saying. I can't remember who said it, otherwise I'd give them credit for it. But I can say that while it did not originate with me, I've embraced this as something for myself. It's a truth that I have for me. There is no growth without change. There is no change without loss. And there's no loss without pain. Every season that God has designed for us, as I've been willing to move into that place and grow in it, I've encountered some kind of change in my life. Those changes usually resulted because of my willingness to have to give up something. And maybe the something that I had to give up, I didn't really want to give up. And so there was the selfish side of me that said, do you really want to give that up? Maybe I had some perceived rights. Well, I have the right to that. But God is saying to me, I want you to give that up. 
I, I want you to lose that because I have something better for you. And most of the times in that loss, there's pain. Why? Because there's a dying. There's a dying to self. There's a, a dying to my selfish will and my selfish nature. But that loss would pale. It became as if it was non-existent when I came into that place where God had designed for me. And I discovered that this was his perfect plan. It was his perfect will for me. So there's no growth without change. There's no change without loss. And there's no loss without pain. Folks, if you're willing to embrace that today, if you're willing to say, yes, Lord, I don't know what the next part of the journey for me is going to look like, but I know you're calling me to something, something different. I'm willing to embrace whatever changes you want me to embrace so that you will be glorified, so that your glory will be evident in me and through me. For every one of us, there are seasons, new seasons that God is desiring. He has a new season for you to enter. How do I know that? Because it's a fact of God's continuing work within us. God never wants us to remain in the same place. I tell you, I, this year I've turned 62. And it doesn't matter how often this happens, I still sort of shake my head. I learned something. I've encountered some change that God has brought me into and a new place in Him. I said, Lord, why has it taken so long for me to learn that? And I found over the years as I have embraced the changes, the new seasons from the Lord, there's been a couple of things. One of the things is the Lord has said to me, that change is, that you're going through right now is my appointed time for you to go through that change. So I, I dare say that when I'm 63 or 64 and all the way up to before I go home to be with the Lord, I'm going to be encountering change. That was God's design point for me to learn that change. Sometimes the Lord has said to me, Dave, I've been trying to teach you that. I've been trying to get you to change in that area, but you've refused to. And sometimes that's so easy for us to kind of get caught up in our own world of rights what we want, that we are not willing to make the changes that we need to make. Paul said to Timothy, that great pastor Paul, said to the young pastor Timothy, let everyone see your progress. God is not satisfied with status quo in our lives. He seeks for us to grow, to mature in Him. So I'd like to ask you this morning, Across this room, what door has God set before you today? What new season or new chapter is He desiring for you to enter into? The greatest roadblocks I find that keep us from moving into God's new places are wrong mindsets, wrong thinking. Ungodly thinking can come from our own incorrect presumptions, our incorrect expectations. Sometimes they come from our own unbelief or our fears. We all have them. They maybe come sometimes from the influence of 
another human being placed upon us. And then the enemy of our soul, Satan, he takes those wrong thoughts, those wrong thinking, and he uses them and he keeps us from progressing and moving into what God is desiring for us. That's why the scripture tells us a number of things. It tells us we need to have our minds renewed daily. Uh, we, we need to read the word of God and, and allow through the power of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. We need to enter into the truths of God. The truth of God will set us free. We need to ensure that we don't give the devil a foothold. So when he, when he comes and he says to us, you have the right to think that thought. You have the right to that right that you think you should have. That's giving him a foothold. We need to keep in step with the Spirit. This morning I want to share with you three truths that I believe will help to catapult you move you forward faster into the next season that God has for you. It will be like unlocking the door to God's designed future for you. But before we look at those, let's just pray and let's just ask the Holy Spirit just to guide us into the truth that God has for us. So Holy Spirit, we've been singing about it this morning. We've been singing about how life is breathed into us. But we ask you right now to breathe life into our minds, our emotions, our understanding. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide us into all of the truth that you have for us in this moment, this morning. And Lord, as, as many of us as are in this room, you have a specific word designed that you are going to impart to each one of us. And so I pray in the name of Jesus that there would be no distractions, that there would be nothing that would come that would steal away what you, Heavenly Father, want to give to us today. And so we pray that in the name of Jesus. And we all said, Amen. The first truth is this, that will help to catapult you. Move past the past. Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Do you notice that verse 18 says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. To forget the former things does not mean that we somehow discredit the past or devalue the past, or maybe somehow bury our head in the sand and ignore the past and pretend like it never existed. I think that there is the place that we need to honor the godly foundations that have been established in our lives. And, and many times it was through a, a foundation of the past. We honor and we bless the people and events that are godly foundations in our lives. We don't forget those foundations. They are a part of who we are. Neither do we somehow ignore or pretend they did not exist, those events of our history, of our past, that maybe were harmful and hurtful. We need, we need to deal with them. This verse specifically says, do not dwell on the past. That has great meaning for us this morning. It's saying to us, don't live in the past. We can learn from the past. The past can be an example for us, but the past will never lead us forward. 
If we're, care- if we're not careful, we'll get stuck in the past. We must not allow what we have done or maybe what's been done to us to stop us from entering into where God has planned for us to go. Our fears, our insecurities are usually a result of something from our past. Inner vows and areas of bondage are tied to a past experience. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and this is so true, in Christ we become a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. But can I tell you folks that when we say the old is gone, it doesn't mean that it suddenly just vanishes. When we say we are a new creation in Christ, that's because the Spirit of God has come into our spirit and what was dead has now become life, alive. Born again, the Scripture says that that's what we say. In Christ, our spirit becomes new. But there's areas of our soul. When I use the word soul, I'm meaning our our thoughts, our emotion, Uh, The memory of our experiences. And those things need to be dealt with. If we just allow them to remain and not be dealt with, they can have a harmful effect upon us. Oftentimes we need to break off the effect of the past. We need to put that destructive past under the authority of the name of Jesus and no longer allow it to have control upon us. Something that I've found is so key for us as followers of Jesus Christ is that, you know, just the same way that you came to that point in your life experience that you began to follow Christ, and we know that we have to keep on following Him. I believe the same is true about being set free in Christ. We have to live in that freedom. We can't just come to that point and say, well, I've been set free now. I've dealt with that area. But you know, life has a way that it keeps creeping back in. And it keeps pushing back the boundaries that we have established in Jesus Christ. And we need to keep walking and living in that freedom that God has given us. Life's bondages. But I am free in Christ. Paul says in Hebrews 12, Throw off everything that hinders. Folks, if there's things in your past that are keeping you stuck in the past, it's time to throw them off. Uh, Maybe you're saying, but but Pastor, this morning, I, I don't have the ability, I don't have the strength, I don't have the understanding of how to do that. There's one thing I know about this church, and that's one of the things that I love about this church, is that you believe in freedom ministry. As I looked at Pastor Hayward's bookshelves when we were praying before the service, it was just filled with books on the understanding of being set free in Christ, dealing with the emotional aspects, the mental aspects, the event aspects of our past, and being set free. For some of us, that might mean forgiving someone of the past. Uh, Forgiving someone does not mean that they ask to be forgiven. Forgiving someone does not mean that they deserve to be forgiven. Or that what they did to us was okay. Forgiving them simply means that I will no longer allow what they did 
to control me any longer. You may need to forgive someone. You may need to forgive yourself. Maybe in your past you've made an inner vow. If you're not sure what that is, let me help to explain that for you. When something hurtful is done to us or we experience some type of pain in our lives, sometimes we respond by making an inner vow. No one else maybe knows that we've said this and we've only said it in the very core of our being, but we say, that will never happen to me again. I'll never be taken advantage of that way. No one is ever going to treat me that way again. And folks, while that can be the response and the way we feel, when we make a vow like that, we're declaring that we'll be the Lord of our lives. We're saying, I will make sure that doesn't happen to me again. And that vow removes us from allowing Jesus to be the Lord of our life. We remove ourselves from underneath his covering and we make that declaration. When we have made an inner vow, we have to repent of it. And sometimes we don't recognize it at the moment because of the painful experience of what we're going through. And it maybe it won't be until years later that there's something that really we realize that I'm just not moving forward. I'm not progressing how I feel that I should be progressing in the Lord. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit will bring back the remembrance of that moment that we made an inner vow. And I believe there's something powerful that takes place as we repent of that. We become aware of it. We repent of it. And all of a sudden, there's freedom. There's a resource of God that comes in that's not possible any other way. It's the same way when we choose to forgive someone. And for me, I found that there's, there's the moment of forgiveness. There's the moment where I say, I choose to forgive this person. But sometimes it comes that I've got to keep on forgiving them. It, it takes a while for the concrete to set up, you know. We put the forms up. We put the wooden forms up. And then God pours in the concrete, but it needs to set now, I believe that there's a resource from God that comes in when we make those life decisions because God does not treat us like uh, he's not a divine marionette who kind of dictates what we do and how we move and what, how we function. No, we have a free will and a free choice. And as we make the decision to either repent of making that inner vow and saying, Lord, forgive me of that, making that vow, I repent of it. And, and while in that moment I took the lordship of my life, right now I'm giving it back to you and I'm saying, Lord Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. And I know that you will keep me safe. You are my refuge. You are the stronghold of my life. When we forgive someone, it may seem to you in this moment right now, it's impossible. You don't know what you're asking of me. I can't forgive them. I believe when we will take that step and we'll say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, what they did to me was wrong. They did not ask me to forgive them. They may never know that I've forgiven them. But in the name of Jesus, I forgive them right now. And I'm not going to allow what they did to me to be a hold on me any longer. There's a supernatural resource from God that comes in and provides for us that nothing in this world can ever offer. Notice what verse 19 of Isaiah 43 says, because I think it's, it's powerful. The Lord is saying, 
I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. That's God's promise to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Where everything else would seem like it's impossible, God provides the resources. He provides the strength. God's way is to work in ways that we cannot imagine or think he will accomplish what we cannot accomplish. Through the act of forgiving, through the act of repenting, God releases a power to do what we cannot do ourselves. So an important key to move through God's open door is to deal with the past, move past the past, and believing that God will do what we cannot do on our own. Second truth that I believe will help to catapult you into the new season that God has for you is to wake up to your new day. Wake up to your new day. Ephesians 5 and 14. For it is light that makes everything visible. That is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine in you. I don't know if you've ever noticed noticed this, but there's a common theme that is woven throughout Scripture that God is calling His people to wake up. One place is in Revelation 3. Jesus writes to the church of Sardis. And if you've read those letters before, this church is referred to as the dead church. And God says to them, wake up. Strengthen what remains. Folks, there's a lulling to sleep that is happening to us as believers. It kind of causes us to kind of get into this mode that we become acclimatized to the status quo of life. We can become accustomed. We can even become comfortable. The work of the Holy Spirit is all about making us alert, sober, making us aware of what God's desires are for us, allowing the drone of the enemy to be silenced. Hey, there was a neat thing in the clock in my room last night. I didn't use it, but it was a neat thing. It, it had on the clock white noise, and you could turn the white noise up. And I thought, isn't that just how the enemy works? Not, I don't mean that he wasn't in the clock, so don't think I'm saying that. I mean the white noise of life. And he, beca- he causes that white noise to sort of drone out the voice of the Lord. Cause us just to fall into a sleepiness and not be awake to what God is wanting. Paul's exhortation in Ephesians 5, he says this in verse 18, be filled with the Spirit. I remember saying this in this assembly a number of years ago when I was here for a Sunday, a Sunday morning, Sunday night, that God's intention was never for us to enjoy the filling of the Holy Spirit as an event. It's a lifestyle. And actually, Ephesians 5.18, where it says, be filled with the Spirit, the actual grammatical translation is, keep on being filled with the Spirit. It's not just a moment where I can kind of chalk it up on my spiritual belt and say, well, arrived at that spot, now let's move on. No, I need to be filled with the Spirit every day. doesn't matter how long I've been walking with the Lord, I need that fresh, full understanding of what God's, what God's plans are for me. When I'm filled with the Spirit, I find that things won't stay the same. Living in the Spirit 
keeping in step with the Spirit means that I become awake to what God's designs are for me. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would teach us all things. He would guide us into all truth. I don't know about you, but I need that. When I'm guided into the truth of the Holy Spirit, things are not going to remain the same. God is wanting us to wake up to a new day. To submit to what the Holy Spirit wants. To wake us from our slumber. And as followers of Him, we have to spend time with Him. The beginning of last year, Cindy and I had gone with a number of other leaders from this district to uh, an event in Steinbach, Manitoba. I had had the regular practice of getting up in the morning and having my time of reading and my time of listening and praying with the Lord. But I am very agenda-driven. I'm very task-oriented. And I knew that I had a number of things that I had on my list every morning to get done. And so I would get up at a certain time. I would spend my allotted time with the Lord. And then I would go on and do my other activities that I wanted to do for that morning before I went to work. When I was at that event in January 2016, the Lord spoke to me and the Lord said, I want you to adjust what you're doing in the morning. What do you mean, Lord? That's my sacred time. Don't touch it. The Lord said, I want you to get up at this time. Well, the time the Lord was telling me to get up was 45 minutes earlier than the normal time that I got up. I said, why on earth would I want to get up at that time? Because I want you to spend some concerted time with me. I don't want you to rush through. I want you to spend ample time so that not only are you reading the word, but you're ingesting the word. Not only are you praying, but you're spending time listening to what I have to say with you. I knew I had to make a change. And I told my wife, she says, you're getting up at what time? But as I shared with her, she understood, and she said, I understand. Folks, that time now has become so rewarding for me because it's not agenda-driven. It's not so I can mark off one more thing on my list. I said, Lord, I need you to just speak the truth into me. I need you to wake me up, and I need to hear your voice. So I say for you today, wake up and allow God to speak into your life. The final truth that I want to give you this morning to help move you into God's future and unlock where he wants you to be is expect the Lord to come into your world. Expect the Lord to come into your world. In Luke 21 and verse 28, Jesus tells his followers that they need to expect his return. And he says, when these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Folks, for some believers, there is almost an infatuation about the end time events. If you were to talk to certain people, they would be able to give you step by step of what's going to happen in the end times. I'm not opposed 
in knowing about end time events. In fact, I believe it's important. But I, I want you to know, sometimes we can be so focused on what will happen that we miss out on his coming here and now. There are some people that all they do is talk about revival is coming. The miracle is always up ahead. And the problem is that we can so be so focused on big things that we miss the little things that God is doing right here and now. Many of the Jewish leaders in Jesus' day, they were looking for the coming Messiah. They were believing for God's kingdom to come. But what they believed and what they anticipated, anticipated what, was that God was going to somehow wipe away the Roman government, the tyranny of the Roman rule, so that, that God's kingdom would be ushered in. No more Roman slavery. And Jesus says to them, he's right in front of them, and he says to them, the kingdom of God is right in front of you. Folks, that can be for you and I. The kingdom of God can be right in front of us. The circumstances of what God is desiring can be right in front of us. And yet we're so focused on something else that we miss his coming here and now. I believe when Jesus says, stand up and lift up your heads, it's a call to be filled with expectation, anticipation. It's saying, Lord, I ask you to come into my private world in my situation right now. Help me to see what I can't see. Prepare yourself for his coming. Prepare yourself for what he wants to do in and through this church. You may be looking for God to do big things, but I want you to know if you trust God in the little things, He'll reveal himself to you even in the big things. I had stroked this story out of my notes, but I want to tell you a story from my life. Because I believe it is an example of what this verse, expect the Lord to come into your world. In 1954, my mother lost a little child prior to birth. That baby was born, stillborn. It was a little boy. She and my father named that little boy Jonathan. That, that little child had never come into full term because of complications of the pregnancy, and my mother lost the child. Some, some months later, my mother became pregnant with me. The doctor said to her, he was a good doctor, but he was not a believer, and he said, Esther, you are not strong enough for this pregnancy. If you go through with this pregnancy, you will die. And so his recommendation to my mother and father was that my mother terminate the pregnancy. But my mother and father believed in a God of the impossible. I wouldn't be telling you this story if you didn't already know the outcome. My mother did not terminate that pregnancy. The doctor said to her, if you refuse to do this, you're going to have to remain in that bed for the next eight months. And even then, there's no guarantee of what the outcome will be. While my mother was in that bed, while she maybe had to lie flat on her back, 
she lifted her head in expectation. And like Hannah, the story of Samuel's mother, she said, God, if you'll bring this little baby, and she did not know at that point whether it was a boy or girl, but she said, if you'll bring this little baby into the world, I'm going to give him to you. My reason in telling you that story is an example of what it means to say, God, you're bigger than my life situation. You're bigger than the doctor, what the doctor has to say. And please don't, don't, don't leave this morning hearing that I'm against the medical community and uh, against what the medical community and doctors have to offer. I am so thankful that God has given them to us. But I also know that I have a physician that is the great physician, and I need to trust in him, and I need to go to the doctors and the hospitals and, and receive the help that they can give me, but I also need to come to my great physician and say, Lord, come and heal me. Come and touch me. Do for me and use the medical profession beyond what I can do. And I'm so thankful today that I have a mother. She's gone home to be with the Lord, but I had a mother that lifted her head and said, Lord, I'm expecting for you to come into my world. Some people would say, well, that's blind faith. No, it's, it's not. It's not foolishness. It's saying, God, I trust in you. You are the Lord of my life, and I believe that you'll undertake what I cannot do in myself. So I say to you, Move into the next chapter that God has for you, the next season. Lift up your head. Believe with expectation, with anticipation that God, you can do beyond what I can do. And I'm trusting in you. You've probably heard someone, maybe even me, say this before. Our district mission is this calling forth PAOC leaders to create a spirit-led, courageous, healthy church movement. Folks, this morning I've come as one of your district pastors just to begin to expound upon you as the people of God here in Cold Lake or part of the people of God here in Cold Lake. I'm calling you forth. I'm saying to you today, I I'm calling you forth to greater things to come and with a new understanding of what God wants to do for you and do for this church. It's not by chance that you are sitting in this place this morning. It's, it's, not, it's not by chance that if this is your church home that you are part of this church home. I believe God wants to use you and He's gifted each of you accordingly. Why? Because His plans and His purposes Go beyond anything that you can imagine or think. So I'm calling you forth. Allow the Holy Spirit to, to direct you. Be courageous. Be willing to take a risk. What seems like is, might be impossible, it's too comfortable to give up, saying, God, I'll do what you want me to do. I want to hear your voice, and I don't want to rely on someone else speaking to me, but I will do what you want me to do. I believe that God is calling not just Cold Lake Community Church, but all of the churches that declare the name of Jesus Christ in Cold Lake and around the province and across the country of Canada and around the world into a place of being healthy. Healthy in our thinking, healthy in our emotions, yes, healthy in our spirits. 
but healthy so that we can say to the world, this is the truth, and the truth will set you free. Growth requires change. Change requires loss, and loss very often involves pain. Jesus says to us this morning, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I'm going to ask for every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. In just a moment, I'm going to invite those that are going to close the service to do that. And I know that they'll have a prayer time here at the altar. But I want to say something to you this morning. And I'm asking for you to close your eyes and bow your head because I want this moment to be private between you and the Lord. And I, I want you to be able to respond not out of any fear that someone maybe is looking at you. I want you to be able to just simply say, Lord, I hear your voice and be able to respond accordingly. And while you're going to hear my voice, I want you to hear the voice of the Lord this morning. And what I've shared with you Maybe there's something that twigged in your memory or in your mind and you recognize what the pastor said this morning, that, that's me. And maybe you recognize maybe that you, there is a bondage, there's something holding you back from moving into the next season that God has planned for you. Maybe it is unforgiveness towards someone or even towards yourself. You've not been able to move past that. But maybe this morning your eyes have been opened a little bit and you've recognized something that it's not about the other person. It's about you taking the choice and making the choice with the help of the Lord to forgive them, to release that pain. Maybe this morning the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, brought to your remembrance that moment of pain when you made an inner vow. This morning... As you recognize that, it's just as simple as saying, Lord, forgive me for making that vow. I've never told anyone about that, but I f forgive me of that, and I declare your lordship over my life. And it's not that I will or won't let something happen to me, because you are my refuge, you are my protector, you're the stronghold of my life. And I ask right now, as you forgive me, to give me all the resources of heaven. Maybe there's some this morning and you recognize that you've gotten comfortable where you are. And it's like you've fallen asleep. But this morning there's been a clarion call of the Holy Spirit to kind of, like an alarm, wake you up. And as that has happened, maybe there's things that have begun to come into your mind that you've recognized, I've got to make changes. I've got to do this differently. Maybe for some of you it's, Spending a proper time with the Lord every day. And I know what life is like. We get busy. We're tired. So many things pour in. But I want you to know, if you'll make the choice, God is going to give you help and strength. And I, I never use an alarm clock. He wakes me up every morning at the same time. And I believe that he'll do the same for you. I'm not some unique person if he does it for me, he'll do it for you, if you ask him. This morning, as 
this is your time with the Lord. I want you to be able to respond. And maybe there's something that I have said or maybe something the Lord has been saying to you even as we've been talking that you want to just simply respond to him. And you're saying, Lord, I hear your voice. With your help, I'm going to make those changes because I want to move into the next season that you have for me. And if that's you this morning, there's no one looking around, but I want you just to simply raise your hand. It's not for me, but it's your way of connecting with the Lord, saying, Lord, I've heard you. And by faith, I'm reaching out. Yes, 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 yeah. All across this place, yes. Amen. Yeah, thank you. You're responding. And folks, you're responding because you're saying, God, by faith, I'm going to receive what you're speaking to me right now. Thank you. Thank you. It's going to wait just a moment because if it's, you still want to be, I, I want to pray for you that have raised your hand. Yeah. So, Father, right now, as people are responding in faith, in belief in your power, and as you have spoken to them, Something that is so unique and clear right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that all that they are asking, all that they are declaring to you, all that they are committing to you in the name of Jesus by your authority, I ask for the resources of heaven to be poured into them. I pray right now for faith just to begin to rise where it seems like there's impossible resources. How can that happen? Right now, you're going to provide water in the desert. You're going to provide for that rose to bloom in the wilderness where it would be impossible. You will do what is impossible to happen. So I call for that right now, for these ones that are reaching out to you by faith, and they're saying, Lord, I've heard you, and by faith I'm taking a hold of your hand, and I'm saying, God, do what you want to do in me. And so I pray this, that your kingdom would come, your will would be accomplished. And I pray that in the name of Jesus. So Father, across this church family, Cold Lake Community Church, I want to speak life into this body. I speak life into every ministry that comes from this assembly. Lord, as even this morning we've been told about things that are going to take place in the days coming up over the summer. I speak life and provision into every one of those ministries. I speak life upon Pastor Hayward and Effie, the leadership of this church. I ask, Lord, that you would pour into them all that they need. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. And this morning we commit ourselves afresh to you. And these 10 days before summer starts, let it be a new summer that starts for us as your people. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. 
Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.